Hi everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Startup Operators Roundup. I'm your host Gunjan Sah. For those who are joining us for the first time, the weekly roundup is our live discussion of the week's biggest headlines from the Indian startup ecosystem. If you are curious about startups or want to get up to speed on what's happening in the ecosystem in India, follow the Startup Operator on your favorite social media and podcast apps. Today, Roshan and I will be have a lot of interesting things to cover. But Roshan, anything that picked your interest from the last week? Well, there's so much happening, Unjan. I mean, uh, the government announced the National Asset Monetization Plan, for example, right, where they're expected to raise something like six lakh crores from these assets, like roads, pipelines, and so on. And uh, you know, for years and years, I mean, anyone who's been active on Twitter has heard this common refrain of, uh, you know, disinvestment and stuff like that. And so, this is a, a very good move uh, to that end. Oftentimes, these are politicized, right? I mean, that you're selling the country away and stuff like that, uh, which doesn't make economic uh, sense as such those arguments but uh, this is pretty in- interesting because i think the government has also built uh, incentives for the states to actively participate in this as well right so in some sense they've outsourced the political problem to many different entities right and uh, it'll be very interesting to you know see what comes out of this and it could also be a, a good uh, a precedence for you know the future as well right so it's not a great time for cricket fans but uh, you know i mean paralympics in tokyo is uh, underway and bhavina patel won the silver as well so congratulations on that we've spoken about the china tech stock implosion i was reading about xi jinping's need for adjusting excessive income right and again i mean we're seeing social engineering at a remarkable scale fascinating to watch and of course i mean all of the stuff that's playing out in afghanistan as well pretty sad situation seems to be deteriorating there's an amazing article by uh, this guy called richard hanania called tetlock and taliban right uh, do check it out i think uh, it signals more than just what is happening in afghanistan i think there's a deeper malaise and he brings that out very well uh, in his article so yeah overall i think uh, you know tons of stuff uh, happening and uh, can't wait to dive into some of the stuff that we have uh, planned for this uh, round up yeah absolutely let's dive into the uh, another ipo news this week so recently freshworks announced that they are filing for a 100 million dollar ipo in the us right and this is you know a a stamp for how india saas especially in the crm space is providing a step ahead for unified cloud services uh, interestingly the internal name for this project was called project superstar and this was uh, named after superstar rajnikanth in fact in the s1 filing an entire paragraph was devoted to you know what rajnikanth means for freshworks <laughs> but Let's talk about the IPO. The IPO is being led by Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan Chase, and Bank of America. Today, I think Freshworks has close to fifty-two thousand customers globally, and in the past year, the revenue has increased by forty percent. Right, and of course, this was majorly driven by the entire digital transformation priorities. But yeah, in six months this year, the revenue has grown to one sixty-nine million, which is up from one hundred ten million of the first half in twenty twenty. and its losses shrank down to almost 9.8 million dollars from 57 million dollars which was in 2020 now that's a huge crunch in their losses and also a big moment for indian saas companies and what do you think of this yeah this is uh, a proud moment for all of us uh, in the indian startup ecosystem particularly those who operate in saas right and uh, i was just re- you know reading some of the reactions on twitter and it's just been overwhelmingly positive right because everyone feels that this is like a milestone moment uh, for the ecosystem right and 
Freshworks is one of those companies that is unapologetically Indian, right? I mean, even the fact that Postscript, which had uh, uh, Rajnikanth, that's amazing. That's really, really amazing, right? And uh, you know, we we saw earlier that companies uh, that sold to the world had to sort of come off as uh, you know un-Indian in some sense, right? I mean, if you look at the whole outsourcing sort of a brand ethos and stuff, right? And uh, here is a software product company built out of uh, Chennai, very proud to be Indian, and uh, that's that's just a phenomenal thing in my opinion, right? And all of us, I think, owe a debt of gratitude to Zoho and Freshworks. Uh, in fact, Girish itself. Uh, was an ex uh, product manager in uh, Zoho, right? And uh, he has often spoke about the Zoho ethos of, you know, having a very strong sense of ownership. It's another thing that you know the the businesses uh, are very different. Zoho is famously bootstrapped, and you know Freshworks is venture funded, right? And uh, yeah. to each his own, I guess, right? And particularly in the S one, I mean, what I liked was that section uh, that Girish had on uh, Freshworks being the company that wasn't supposed to win, right? I mean, they had so many things against them, right? Let's start with the fact that it's a red ocean out there, right? I mean, support software, there are plenty of software and some of the bigger guys competing in that. Or if you take CRM as well, right? I mean, you have a you have a 20 plus billion dollar uh, behemoth like Salesforce, uh, right? And uh, then then you look at the fact that, you know, they're based in Chennai. And this was uh, this was way before Chargebee, Marshall, and Kisflow and some of the, uh, I mean, now known names in the SaaS ecosystem, right? And you have the whole Chennai SaaS thing going on right now. And the fact that, as I mentioned, they're competing against market leaders, right? Zendesk is huge. Uh, Microsoft has uh, obviously competing products as well, right? And building a global SaaS company out of India, right? I mean, there was no precedence uh, to the scale that, you know, what uh, Freshworks has achieved, right? I mean, everyone pretty much uh, thought that you have to move to the valley at some point of time, uh, you know, build, build stuff there. So a lot of things has been built through hard knuckles execution, a lot of first principles and stuff, right? And and look at what they've achieved, man. I mean, 300 million revenue, 50,000 plus customers, a very low, low touch sales as well, completely product led. And beyond Freshworks itself, Girish is a, a, an amazing ideal, an amazing mentor to have for the ecosystem, right? He's a very prolific uh, angel investor as well, pretty active in the ecosystem. Word of praise for Axel as well. Axel has been a key part of the whole Freshworks story, especially people like Shekhar Kirani, right? And I think it's also the culmination of a lot of effort from a lot of people, right? Girish uh, famously had this quote that he said, when I started the company, I told my wife that I'm not starting a company for me to buy a BMW. Uh, I'm starting a company so that all my employees can buy BMWs. I mean, what an amazing thing to say, right? So wealth creation and stuff, right? I mean, simply phenomenal story. And uh, there's no doubt in my head that, you know, fresh folks will become a generational company. They're just poised for that. And uh, fantastic news. All the best for the team for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be waiting for Jason Lemkin to write about this IPO. Oh, I already asked about uh, asked about that. And he said that, you know, this week they'll be publishing an analysis. So let's wait. That'll be amazing. So a similar company like Tesla, right? Ola Electric. I mean, it's following on the footsteps of Tesla. And while earlier in the rounds we have been, you know, talking about how check sizes are increasing. I don't think we have ever spoken about a billion dollar fundraise. And that's exactly what Ola Electric is planning in the next month. Uh, they're already in talks with strategic and financial investors to raise this. But it was only last month that we covered Ola Electric raising $100 million in long-term debt for a period of 10 years from Bank of Baroda. And on 15th of August, Ola Electric unveiled its S1 and S1 Pro electric scooter models. 
right? And this was to challenge uh, established players like uh, such as Eta Energy, Bajaj Auto, and TVS Motors. It was also quoted in the mint that a major chunk of this one billion dollars will be earmarked for acquisitions within this space, right? And uh, some of the existing investors in Ola Electric will also might uh, see an exit by selling off their stakes. But this is interesting, right? This is a, we're talking about a raising a billion dollars even before the first bike hits the road. I mean, is this yeah, setting some sort of precedent? It, yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic, and uh, you know, this is not the first billion, obviously, right? Because Ola is being a pioneer, and when you're early in a space, you have to run really hard, and you have to create that whole consumer change, and you'll have to build the supporting ecosystem also. We are operating in a in a completely full stack model. Correct. Like exactly. Right so and exactly the battery to bikes, right? And yeah, I mean, this is very early in the innovation curve, so obviously they will have to invest a ton on all of these things, right? Uh, even the supporting infra, as we mentioned, and the ecosystem is growing. You've seen Tata, for example, invest. Mahindra also invest in the in electric vehicles, right? Uh, and the cost will reduce, but at this point of time, I mean, obviously you have to spend a ton on this, right? And uh, unless uh, it is core IP led stuff, right? I mean, oftentimes being early. Is uh, is a bit of a risk, right? Because you can create the market for other participants to come and scoop that out, right? And uh, the advantages are not so, you know, I mean, not so apparent, right? I mean, there's always this trope that Google wasn't the first search engine, Facebook wasn't the first social network, and so on, right? So, and uh, you know, last week we had uh, Maruti's uh, chairman R.C. Bhargava say as well that uh, we'll enter the EV business only when it makes sense for us, right? And if you look at those folks, I mean, the standard OEMs, they're facing the common innovators dilemma, right? I mean, do we risk what we have right now or, you know, I mean, a plan for the future, right? And there is this amazing photograph of New York City taken, a car, you know, a few years apart, right? I mean, three, four years apart, where on the one hand, they have horse carriages and the other, they have cars, right? And it's, uh, it, it's, it's very profound in a sense, right? You don't know when reality changes. It, it could just happen overnight, right? And that is what I sense uh, with this whole EV pace as such, right? I mean, in the next five, 10 years, I, I think EV will become mainstream for sure. There was also this graphic of Ola versus Aether versus TVS versus Bajaj. And man, I mean, it was an amazing comparison because literally on every comparable, whether it's price or motor power or torque or battery range, Ola just blew the rest of them out of the water, right? It's just phenomenal what they've been able to achieve. And of course, I mean, at this point of time, while they will also build, they will also acquire, right? And uh, yeah. they've acquired Itergo, for example, which is a Dutch automobile company. It was called the Tesla of scooters. And interestingly, the Itergo founder had said that it's very tough to disrupt this market. It requires huge capital. And, and that's absolutely on point. If you look at the market itself, India is the largest two-wheeler market in the world. There's a ton of regulatory tailwinds as well, right? There's the fame subsidies that we're talking about. Then, then the whole Make in India thing, right? Manufacturing PLIs, everything. So there's a lot of things going for, for, for Ola and for electric vehicles in general. The one thing that would make me skeptical is the fact that, you know, generally EVs, the cost is front-loaded, right? In, yeah. in exchange of better mileage and, you know, lower cost of ownership, uh, you will have lesser maintenance, lesser repairs and so on and so forth. But then if you look at India, right, our commute distances are not that much. I was just looking at some sta statistics. Roughly 39% of urban commuters travel less than 5 kilometers and 31% of them uh, travel 5 to 10 kilometers. So literally you have 70% of urban commuters traveling less than 10 kilometers a day, right? So 
you can't really make sense uh, of this at scale when you when you're front loading a lot of the costs right i, I think this is also why some of the early guys had a, had a, had a bit of problem right i mean ether for example the bikes are 150000 plus right whereas a honda active or or similar uh, two wheeler moped types will cost you around 80 90k right that's a whole 60 70000 more right for something entirely new that people are not used to as well so Ola will have to get the pricing right. I think it's priced at around one lakh twenty-four right now. So it's starting. I think the starting model, the S one base model, is priced below one lakh. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, so they will have to sort of get that uh, pricing right, right? And also, I see that you know they might also launch some subscriptions. They'll work on some kind of a buyback and resale and all of that. That is just definitely par for the course, especially when it's something entirely new and innovative, right? So very, very interesting times ahead. and also investors need to keep this money coming into the ecosystem right and for that they need to grow their watch list so with that our prime venture partners which is an early stage venture capital firm they recently raised a 75 million dollar round to close its 100 million size fourth funding round now prime venture partners typically invests in startups in the early stage and the check sizes vary anywhere from 500000 dollars to 1 million some of the notable portfolio companies include migrate which is a community app Neo, which is a neo bank fintech in India, and M Fine, which is a health tech. Now, very interesting. I came across a stat which was by Bain and Co. That in their report, private equity and venture capital released earlier this year, it was said that you know India will see an investment of at least six billion dollars in this in twenty twenty one. But I think uh, this is the uh, news that we have been covering. By August twentieth, I think there's total twenty point seven six billion dollars raised across five hundred and eighty three deals in India. So, I mean, we have spoken about this at length. It's a really great time to invest in Indian startup. In fact, a couple of weeks back, we also spoke about Stellaris, which had raised two twenty five million dollars for its second fund. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, and you're going to see a lot of money. coming in especially given what's happening in china right now right in fact i mean july i think venture capital in india overtook that of china for the first time in many many years right so prime venture partners itself is around 10 years old founded 2012 and interestingly all of them are ex entrepreneurs or have been startup operators right so shripati acharya had founded a company called snapfish way back in the day right i mean during the dot com time uh sanjay swami has been fintech before fintech itself right so he's built companies like mcheck and easy tap and amit somani was an exec at google and also at make my trip so all of these folks have uh, you know excellent operational chops as well along with the the cash that they bring to the table and uh, the first two funds have been fully deployed apparently and 60% of the third fund has been deployed they are also very horizontal right i mean i could see that they invest and that's typical for any early stage investors right uh, so consumer fintech saas everything right um, interestingly they have said that they are more keen on the software infrastructure play right and that's that's interesting because if you look at software infrastructure is dominated by all of the market leaders right google amazon microsoft and there's a company called app dynamics which got acquired for i don't know 3 or 4 billion dollars jyoti bansal i think his name was which was an amazing outcome and also it proved that there's a huge market for this it infra management sort of applications right uh, app dynamics focused on performance management specifically right and uh, I think that's probably the kind of companies that they are also having an eye out for deep tech folks I mean folks who focus on infra and stuff right so they've also said they'll invest in crypto electric vehicles gaming platforms all of those we've spoken about 
entirely new innovative sectors so good that capital is chasing this uh, innovation and uh, i liked what uh, they had on their website they said same gigs new digs right? so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah all the best to the team also earlier you mentioned right when you talk about ola electric that is just not enough to be a first mover but rather to you know capture all the verticals along with that and i think delivery is doing a wonderful job at that uh, recently they acquired bangalore based spot on logistics to boost its b2b capabilities but details about this deal was not disclosed but let's talk about spot spot on logistics a bit uh, they started its journey in 2012 private equity firm india equity partners has bought the domestic business from tnt india then in 2018 samara capital and exponentia acquired spot on from ip and now with delivery's acquisition both samara and exponentia are making a full exit for cash that is a great business move i would say but also for delivery this opens up a lot of new verticals right they can uh, expand more into automotive deep tech high tech uh, deliveries in the b2b space what do you make of this Yeah, see, delivery is not in a bits and bytes business, right? It's in a atoms and molecules sort of a business. It's a you know moving physical things. Uh, so obviously, when you acquire companies, uh, you have that significant moat as well. Whether you extend your network or you build a you know separate demand base for yourself, right? So uh, we earlier saw they had partnered with FedEx India, and that was a huge word of confidence, right? Fifty-year-old company partnering with a ten-year-old startup, and and these are things that you can do when you have like a two hundred billion dollar time that you're chasing, and uh, you know they will they are pre-IPO right now, right? Expected to IPO sometime later this year. and uh, you know i've said this often delivery is a classic case of building shovels in a gold rush right it's going to become a lot more important as you know d2c picks up as e-commerce picks up as a lot of these businesses start offering online products and services which we have seen has uh, exploded especially post uh, 2020 right i mean we had those uh, figures uh, about online expenses uh, i mean online e-commerce and so on and so forth right so this is a very symbiotic sort of a fit i would say and like a pre ipo prep in some sense and it's also interesting to note that such companies to be successful the amount of dependence it has on governmental infrastructure as well without proper connectivity as you spoke about earlier probably we might not have heard of such stories yeah for sure i mean and there's a lot of hard infra that is being built in india which again a lot of people are not really paying as much attention to uh, i've said this before that you know last year for example we built the highest number of highest amount of roads per day ever and this was in a pandemic year similarly there's a lot of infra happening uh, even on the urban side of things right so it all adds up because all of this platform infrastructure investments are force multipliers basically So next we have one of the fastest growing MSME focused startup Khatabook recently raised 100 million dollars as part of its series C round this was led by US based venture capital from Stripe Capital and more strategic ventures i think the capital was raised at a valuation of around 600 million dollars now with this fundraise Khatabook will also be buying back 10 million dollars worth of ESOPs and uh, eligible employees will be able to sell as much as 30% of their vested options Now earlier it was also reported that Khatabook was looking to enter the financial services space right and launch insurance and credit offerings for their partners and that's interesting right it makes sense for them once you have an active merchant community it becomes easy to introduce financial products what are your thoughts on this 
Yeah, pretty much everyone will end up building a loan book, right? I mean, we've seen this with Bharat Pay, for example, last to last roundup, for example. So, Bata Book, we we had uh, spoken to Ved Prakash, who's the head of growth there, on how they went from zero to one crore MSME clients, right? Which is yeah. a pretty phenomenal uh, achievement, and and in less than three years, no less, right? I see all of this as an extremely positive, positive thing because look, earlier there was no incentive for for people to formalize and belong to the formal economy, but right now, I mean, all of these things are like amazing incentives for uh, MSMEs to become more formal, right? And uh, there's a huge potential in India. There is something like 6.3 crore MSMEs, and of course, MSME is a very catch-all term. It could include yeah. anything, right? Pretty much like from a 10-member factory uh, or a late shop to a, like a Kirana store to anything else, right? So, and credit is a huge problem. You know, we've often spoken about this. Uh, access to business loans is really, really such a challenge, and companies like Katha Book are solving that. So, yeah, I mean, this is fantastic, good stuff. So, let's talk about some of the other interesting developments from the community last week. India Gold, uh, whose co-founder Deepak Abbott, we interviewed in the podcast. They recently picked up a twelve million dollar funding round. PayU, which is the financial technology arm of Process NV and AlphaWave Incubation, led the fundraise. The round also saw participation of Better Tomorrow Ventures, 314 Capital, and Rain Matter Capital, as well as existing investor Leo Capital. Bevakoof, which is a youth-focused direct-to-consumer brand, has backed rupees 60 crore or $8 million from InvestCorp, Ivy Cap, and Spring Marketing Capital, with an aim to clock 2,000 rupees crore in sales by 2025. Cure Food, which operates the cloud kitchen brand Eat Fit, has raised $13 million or nearly 96.4 crore rupees in funding. And this was led by Iron Pillar. The Series A round also saw participation from Northstar and Flipkart co-founder Vinny Bansal. Digital therapeutic company Breathe Wellbeing has raised $5.5 million in its Series A round. And this was led by Axel. General Catalyst 314 Capital and Scott Schliefer, the global managing director of New York based investment from Tiger Global, also took part in this round. So, this was some, um, there are a lot of other uh, fundraisers as well, but these were the most interesting ones. Roshan, anything you would like to add for them? Yeah, all of them are pretty interesting, right? So, let's start with India Gold. Uh, we had Deepak on the podcast not too long ago. And uh, I, I was saying this to Deepak as well that it's one of those ideas that seems so obvious on hindsight, right? Yes, of course, people love gold in India and most of that wealth is just lying there, not earning any interest. And at the same time, you know, we, we just spoke about businesses being starved for working capital and so on, right? So, so this is like an ideal sort of matchmaking opportunity for any platform. And uh, of course, Deepak uh, has an excellent team as well that is building this out. So yeah, kudos uh, to them. Almost forgotten about Bevakuf, right? I mean, it sounded very, very familiar. And then I remembered that I had ordered a couple of t-shirts from there uh, way back when, right? They launched in 2012 and they have about 6 million plus uh, customers, uh, right? And it's good to to hear of an old name, really. And uh, PureFit is interesting again because... They operate all of these brands, right? And uh, we spoke about how some of these uh, food tech guys will aggregate demand on the cloud and uh, and and run these delivery only restaurants, right? I mean, post pandemic especially, uh, yeah. Mostly cloud kitchens. We saw a rise of cloud kitchens in the. Pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, right. So that and uh, I, I'm also particularly excited about Breathe because. Uh, you know, one in six people uh, with diabetes in the world is from India, right? We have something like 70 million plus people who are diabetic here. And uh, I, I spoke about the consumerization of healthcare with Mohit of Ultra Human very recently, right? And uh, it's amazing because tech is like 
tech is giving a lot more control to people about their health and stuff and uh, we are moving beyond just treating sickness to quality of life right because i think average lifespan will extend right all of us will hopefully live up to 80 years or whatever on average right but then the quality of life becomes very important and uh, you know vinod kosla has often made the point that the next 5 or 10 years doctors won't look like doctors right uh, it would be more like data scientists and and care will mean proper care right human care right it it won't just be diagnostic level stuff right and uh, yeah so i'm particularly excited about any any innovation on that front yeah, well you just made that sound like an episode of black mirror come playing out in real life <laughs> but but, yeah. but optimistic but yeah, optimistic yes i hate black mirror by the way <laughs> Okay, so this is a really interesting tweet that was put out by Hayman Swamapatra. So he says, when distribution is proprietary, distribution wins. An example of Comcast versus Netflix. When distribution is commoditized, the best product wins. For example, our Chrome versus Internet Explorer. And uh, when product is commoditized, best service wins, such as Amazon versus others. And when service is commoditized, the best network wins. Right, and for that, we have a chart of you know the daily active users for slack versus microsoft teams and wow, what a jump did microsoft teams have right yeah yeah no it's actually a very profound tweet one that i had to read many times over to really you know grasp some of the wisdom in that right and uh, slack versus teams right again is is that classic thing of product first versus distribution first right arguably nobody sells enterprise software better than microsoft uh, in the world right i mean obviously they're the largest and their sales teams are are simply phenomenal right and that's why you see that whole distribution jump as well but slack is uh, catching up i mean of course after the salesforce acquisition and stuff anyway i mean that's that's an aside to whatever uh, was here but yeah i mean we've spoken to founders many times and often times serial entrepreneurs always have this thing about being very distribution conscious right and and that's what they say first time founders think about product and second time founders think about distribution so yeah but these are various types of distribution right i mean all the things i was aware of you know product led distribution and marketing led distribution but over here we are talking about multiple types right commoditizing product commoditizing service what does how do, what does this mean and how is one different from the other it's it's different for different products and markets i would say right i mean where we operate is typically uh, when i say we i mean enterprise saas basically it's sales first then marketing then product and then partnerships right and in that order but i mean obviously these things can vary big time right depending on what uh, sort of a product you are selling basically okay so let's talk about some of the conversations from this week right uh, you already mentioned you spoken to rohit but right and uh, you want to talk about consumerization of healthcare with uh, mohit right so some insights into this yeah for sure both of those uh, conversations were uh, really really interesting uh, so i had put out a tweet thread on robosoft uh, post their acquisition by technopro and uh, incidentally uh, connected with rohit afterwards and we spoke about the robosoft journey itself right i mean they've done some phenomenal work especially for the apple ecosystem both on mac os and also on ios uh, as well right i mean they were one of the first few people to start developing apps for that for ios especially right and uh, 20 year old journey culminating in an acquisition of about 107 million and and also i mean what's interesting is they also have this game studio called 99 games and um, yeah rohit wants to 10x uh, everything with 99 games right so amazing typical founder spirit never said i kind of attitude but also very very measured and very calm right and uh, yeah ultra human uh, you know if you if you've been active on twitter i mean people can't stop raving about suddenly becoming cyborgs right so yeah i mean i spoke to mohit about you know how he's creating the hype and the buzz and you know what was the motivation to start ultra human and this whole 
consumerization of healthcare that we often speak about right and uh, interestingly all the healthcare entrepreneurs i've had on my on the podcast itself are uh, are non medical people right and so a lot of these folks are looking at things from first principles and that i guess you know is the root cause of all innovation right i mean that's pretty interesting thing if you look at it right and uh, yeah typically i mean if you've used one of those glucose monitors i mean it's it's a painful experience right but uh, ultra human uh, seems super cool right and they're trying to be as minimally invasive as possible as seamless as possible it's just a small patch that you wear on your arm and uh, there's a bunch of interesting data as well on your metabolic health that they can monitor and they can you know prescribe and suggest uh, stuff to you right so uh, very very interesting episodes coming up yeah a lot of uh, very curious of some of the things you guys will be talking about but uh, yeah with that i think it's a wrap for this week's roundup folks do let us know what are some of the topics that you want us to cover more in the roundup or on the podcast our social handles are the startup operator on linkedin and at operator startup on twitter do share your feedback and keep an eye out for when the episodes come out thanks roshan for taking us to the news of the week let's see you again next week